On this Mother's Day, we're continuing our journey through really the life and times of Abraham. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Genesis chapter 18. If you've got a hard copy, Bible on a mobile device, join with me in turning to Genesis chapter 18. And as we get started, I, I want to ask you kind of, it may strike you initially as an odd question, but I, I want you to just think about this question. And my question is this, what makes you laugh? What makes you laugh? I mean, think about the last time, you know, you really, maybe with your friends and something was really funny, something really struck you as funny. What exactly was it? What really, you know, that deep belly laugh, you just start tearing up. What makes you laugh? I realize we, we're going to answer that in different ways. Some of us actually find dad jokes funny, right? <laughs> I know it's Mother's Day, but some of us find dad jokes funny. Some of us just like to irritate our kids, right, with dad jokes. And uh, maybe, maybe what really makes you laugh are, you know, there are videos that go viral, kid videos, animal videos go viral on social media, or certain memes that come across your social media feed. Although I have to acknowledge in my family, sometimes there are memes that come through our family chat online, and I just don't get it. And my son's are dead. Sorry, Dad, you're just too old to get it. But it's funny. Trust me, Dad. It's funny. But I think for many of us, maybe sometimes what really makes us laugh are just, just the stories we have of life. When, when our family gets together, sometimes, you know, family stories comes up. And that was the case last weekend. Our, our family was together in Texas for our youngest son's college graduation. It was a time of great celebration. And, and there, you know, there's just along the way when we get together as family, there's stories that come up. And as it turned out, I don't even remember the context, but there was a story that came up. And it, it involved me when we lived in Fargo, North Dakota. And the story was this. There was a time when I pulled a practical joke on a really good friend. In retrospect, this was not the wise thing to do. Because this was one of those guys. He's a great friend, but this is one of those guys who always has the last word. And this was true in this situation as well. And the last word came on a Sunday morning as my car was parked across the street from the church. And my friend took an inflatable Santa Claus, about, you know, about this big. And he had inflated it partially. It had had air in it, but it it was still thin enough to slide underneath my car. And then he took a rope, I think maybe, you know, six, eight feet long. And on one end of the rope, he affixed the hands of the aforementioned Santa Claus. And he took the other end of the rope, and he tied it to the undercarriage of my car. And so the plan was this. He was going to slide Santa in the rope underneath my car so that it wasn't visible. But when I pulled out, Santa was going to come out. And it was going to look like I was pulling along Santa Claus for dear life. So he carefully slid Santa and the rope underneath the car. The church services ended. I came out, walked to my car, totally unaware. I didn't see anything. Got into my car, pulled out, and let's just say his plan worked absolutely perfectly. Okay? 
And as I am pulling out, I have no idea. And Santa's not far enough for, back for me to see him in the rearview mirror. He had measured it carefully. So I see none of this. Now, in order for me to get home, I have to make an immediate left-hand turn. But in making an immediate left-hand turn, I am driving right past the church parking lot in the church building. And as I am now driving in that block, driving along the church property, I happen to look to my left, and there are people still milling about in the parking lot. There are people still milling about in front of the church entrance, just having a conversation. And as I glance over, I realize they are all waving and smiling at me. And so what do I think? What a wonderful, friendly group of people I work with. And I get to be their pastor. So what do I do? I turn and smile and wave right back. And it's not for another mile and a half when I pull into a gas station and I'm getting out of the car and this woman comes running up to me and I kid you not, these are her exact words, Sir, do you know you're dragging Santa Claus? That's when the plan became fully knowledgeable to me. And I ended up stuffing him in the trunk like a mob hit and driving home. (laughs) And now I know what makes you laugh, the embarrassing experiences of other people. We just figured that out this morning. But now again, so what makes you you laugh? Now, as you think about that, as certain things come to mind... Let me ask you this question. Have you ever thought about God making you laugh? Have you ever thought about God bringing laughter to your life? (laughs) Right, and now we get dead quiet, don't we? Because, yeah, George, the story you tell, that's just funny. That's live, but I, I I I don't link laughter with God, right? In fact, maybe for some of us, when we think about God, when we think about church, when we think about the experiences we've had growing up, laughter is the last topic that comes to mind. Well, here's the reason I ask that question, and here's what I want you to think about. We're currently just walking our way through pivotal moments in the life of Abraham. And in the pages of Scripture, Abraham and Sarah really presented to us as these people on this journey of faith. And of course, as you follow their story, we, we see the ups and downs. We, we see them kind of moving in and out of faith and doubt. We see the, the high moments and the missteps. But as we follow their story, we also see this amazing reality. In the course of their journey, God weaves laughter into their lives. And could it be the case? (laughs) Could it be the case? Just be open to this. Could it be the case that even as he did that then, he wants to do that in your life even right now? With that in mind, let's now come to this, this amazing, fascinating scene of laughter that we find in Genesis 18. So here's how Genesis 18 begins. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. 
Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Now, I've got to admit, immediately this text raises some questions because we're going to see there are these three men that come and end up visiting Abraham and his wife, and yet from the very beginning we're told, and in reality, one of them is the Lord. One of them is God himself. And that just, I got to be honest with you, it raises all sorts of questions. What exactly does this look like? What, you know, how is this possible? What, in, what does this entail? And it raises all sorts of questions, which the text really doesn't answer. The text simply wants us to understand, look, these guys came to Abraham. And in fact, what you are reading about is God coming to Abraham. So the passage continues. Abraham said, if I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, and he's, what does he say? Quick, he said, get three seeds of fine flour, knead it, and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd, selected a choice tender calf, and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. And while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Now, at this point, we've really got no idea. Does Abraham understand the reality of who is visiting him? We don't know that one way or the other. Obviously, he shows great hospitality here, but this is just, this is what you did culturally. When you had visitors coming by, you you opened your house, you opened your tent, you offered them a meal, you offered them hospitality, you invited them to sit down and eat. And, And so what Abraham is doing here is very consistent with cultural norms and patterns. But then, but then the scene gets somewhat surprising and unexpected. Because they asked him this question, which you wouldn't have anticipated. Uh, where is your wife, Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. And then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah, what did she do? She laughed. She laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And notice, then we're told, this is actually the Lord speaking. And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Of course, at this point, I think Sarah's beginning to wonder, who am I talking to here? And she's afraid, and she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yeah, 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 you did. You laughed. Now step into this, I want you to step into this scene with me for a moment. And notice one of the small details. We get some small details in this story. And notice one of the small details that we get is this. 
Sarah was in the tent. And when you think about what did the tent represent? The tent reminded her that they were nomadic. The tent reminded her that they'd now been on the move for over two decades. And if this tent's been around for a while, this tent carries the wear and tear, the sand and the dirt of the various places they've lived in, in Israel, Canaan, Egypt, as they've dealt with the hot sun, as they dealt with the realities of the different places they've lived, and all the while, they've been on the move. And they've been on the move for two-plus decades because her husband got this promise, this vision, that God was going to do great things, and included in that was the reality that he's going to become a great nation. But for over two decades, as this tent has moved from place to place, it just feels like none of that has happened. And we just keep moving. Sarah was in the tent. And it's in the tent that she laughs. Now, why did she laugh? Well, we talked about different things that make us laugh, but if we're honest, we have to acknowledge sometimes the laughter, it's not really funny, is it? Sometimes our laughter comes from a place of of disappointment, frustration, absolute disbelief, even cynicism. At some point, you've had somebody say something crazy or unbelievable to you, and you kind of giggled and gone, yeah, right. But that's not a funny laugh. That's a laugh of disbelief. And so here Sarah is in the tent, and somehow she's overhearing this conversation, and she hears these prophetic words from the promise that are now kind of slowly losing their impetus because she's heard them so many times, and the more she hears them, the more empty they become. You're going to have a baby. And she laughs. She laughed. Why does she laugh? Well, I think, you know, listen again. Listen again to her, her words. I am worn out and my Lord is old. I'm worn out. Why does she laugh? I think she's been worn down. She's been worn down by these 20-plus years of day in and day out of thinking about this promise, but it's not coming to pass. In the text, I think it's talking about her physical condition, but I think it carries over into how she's just feeling emotionally and and spiritually. I'm, I'm worn down. There's been a daily grind to what she and Abraham have experienced. They've ended up going to different places at times. Where they've gone has put her life in jeopardy, and we've been moving around place after place, all according to this promise, but nothing is happening. I'm, I'm tired. 
She says, I'm, I'm worn out. And in the midst of all that she's gone through, these words, they just feel empty. They feel hollow. And, you know, sometimes we find ourselves there, too. We laugh to hide the frustration. We laugh to hide the disappointment, the pain. Maybe at times you've known some people or someone in your life that it felt like any time the conversation got serious or personal, they just kind of made a joke out of it, and they laughed to deflect the question. And often there's something underneath that. And so here's Sarah. She's worn down. She's tired. This promise just seems like it's running thinner and thinner as the days go by. And and she laughs. She's in the tent. And she laughs. And notice just a couple of other things. I think on the one hand, it's clear she's been worn down by the daily grind. But... Notice also that I think you can argue she's become distant in her relationship with God. We're told that when she hears these prophetic words, she laughs on the inside, right? She laughs to herself. And the implication here is nobody else heard it. This was just kind of her internal laughter. She's just kind of chuckling to herself, but nobody heard it. And yet one of these visitors, the Lord, in fact, says, well, why did she laugh? I don't know what she's thinking at this point, but but undoubtedly at some point she's starting to realize this is a divine encounter. This is a divine moment. And then out of fear she denies that she's laughing. Sensing that this is a divine encounter, she hides. She's not honest. And she's not honest because there's distance in the relationship. As it turns out in the pages of Scripture, one of the, one of the signs, one of the hallmarks of a healthy relationship with God is honesty. And this means at time we complain. Believe it or not, that's actually a mark of a healthy relationship. God, I don't, I don't get this. God, I am tired. God, I am worn down. If that sounds disrespectful or irreverent, just read the Psalms of Lament, where in page after page, psalm after psalm, and, and this is the prayer book of Scripture, we see these people coming to God and saying, okay, God, why is this happening? How long, O oh Lord? Sarah doesn't do that. She was unwilling to do that. And I think that kind of shows that in the, just in the daily grind, the wearing down, that there's distance now. There's distance in this relationship. And with the reality of the daily grind and with the growing distance in this relationship, What happens is she loses a sense of wonder. She loses any sense of awe at who God is and what what he can do. Notice again verse 14. Because this question is asked, right? It's translated this way. Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
But the term used here communicates the idea of wonder and awe. And so you can really translate it this way. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? This is the same term that, that it appears in that famous prophetic statement that we often read at Christmas from Isaiah 9, right? That he will be called what? Wonderful counselor, mighty God. So there's that sense of wonder. And I think what has happened is this, it, it, you know, that this grind for 20 years and it's, it's been heavy and she's grown distant in this understanding of who God is. And, and along the way, she's lost a sense of wonder. A sense of awe. And in a real sense, God is saying to her, Sarah, you've lost, you've lost sight of who I am and what I am able to do. This week, our elder team was meeting, and the focus of our conversation was, was prayer, and prayer in the life of our church. And really, in the course of our conversation, there were just stories of God working in clear and meaningful ways through prayer. And I was listening to these stories I sat there, and I was just reminded, you know, in the busyness and the grind and the everyday reality of life, it is so easy to lose, to lose that sense of wonder at who God is. Even in prayer. Even in prayer over time, we can find ourselves in patterns where, in essence, we're just going through the motions. We, you know, I read my Bible, I prayed, I bring these requests to God every day, but I'm not necessarily honest with God about where I'm really at. I just pray for certain things and feel like that's all I can do. I'm not really transparent with him, even though he knows where I'm at. And often that failure to be honest and that lack of transparency may mean that Underneath my prayers are the questions, is he really there? Is he really listening? Does he really care? So here's Sarah, right? She's in the tent. She's worn down. There's distance in her relationship with God. And along the way, she's lost a sense of wonder, a sense of awe at who God is. And so she laughs. Now, even as you see what's going on in Sarah's life, pay attention to what God is doing. Because I think when you pay attention to this scene carefully, it becomes clear. This visit was all about Sarah. Now, as you follow the story of Abraham, there are clear, there are clear scenes that, that you can track where God is specifically talking to Abraham. But in this case, he is engaging Sarah. Even as God is working in Abraham's life, he wants to do the same in hers. God is in pursuit of her. Even that closing interaction, it's not meant to shame her. It's to invite her. It's to invite her into the relationship. So here's Sarah. She's in the tent. And she laughs. Now, even as she is in the tent, maybe right now, (laughs) you're in the tent as well. 
Maybe there are certain things you are going through, things that have happened to you and they've just worn you down. For instance, for you, maybe Mother's Day is a very hard day because it reminds you that your life has not gone according to plan. On days like today, all you see is the tent. Maybe you find yourself in the busyness of multiple responsibilities, work, family, in the midst of trying to keep it all together. It's just wearing you down. Maybe there are moments, scenes from your past that have marked your life deeply and there's a heaviness and a weariness that comes with those scars. Maybe you're a young adult and you're thinking through next steps in your life and exploring possibilities, but the ambiguity, the uncertainty, the fear of making a wrong decision is weighing you down. And as with Sarah, it's often the case that with that weariness can come distance in our relationship with God. And with that weariness can come a loss of interest. We're simply going through the motions and we lose a sense of wonder and transcendence and awe. Maybe you're in that place right now and all you see is the tent. But could it be the case that even now God is in pursuit of you? Could it be the case that in different ways God is wanting to remind you of who he is and the wonder of what he's doing? Could it be the case that even today part of the reason you're hearing this message is that he's seeking to get your attention to tell you you don't have to stay in the tent? So Sarah's in the tent and she laughs. But of course, that's not the end of the story, and that is not the end of the laughter. Because we read further, and we come to the scene, this scene, in the opening of chapter 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. (laughs) Now just think about this for a moment. We have been waiting for this to happen since chapter 12. Abraham and Sarah have been waiting for this to happen for 25 years. And all the text says is, well, and it happened as, as, as it was promised. I could, I could use a little more detail here, right? I could use a little more build-up. This is a big moment. But in reality, notice what is being emphasized. What is being emphasized in this text is that God fulfills his promises, right? Three times, that's what the author is communicating, right? The Lord was gracious to Sarah as he said. The Lord did for Sarah what he promised. She became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time, God had promised him. So the author is saying, look, I want you to see God is keeping his promises. And Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him, which means laughter. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. You can actually translate it this way. Laughter God has brought to me. 
and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You know, in different ways, I think the story of Abraham and Sarah is really this. It's the story, it's the story of people learning the reality that God keeps his promises. And it's the story of two people learning how to lean into those promises. Now, I realize sometimes people will read this story and think, well, if I just have enough faith, God will give me impossible things. But that's not the point. Remember, as you go through the Abraham and and Sarah narrative, they move back and forth between faith and doubt. In fact, not only does Sarah laugh at God in the previous chapter, Abraham had laughed at God. They are works in progress. No, the point of this passage is God's faithfulness to his promises. In fact, notice the opening line again. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. The idea, actually, of the language here is the the Lord visited Sarah for the point of bringing blessing. That's what's being communicated. In other words, his grace was in pursuit of her. And you know what? Now that Abraham and Sarah experience his grace, you know what they do? (laughs) They laugh. We're going to name our kids Laughter. That's what Isaac means. Now, I think the name works on different levels. On the one hand, uh, the name can express a prayer. For instance, the name Ishmael, may God hear. The name Jacob, may God protect. The name Isaac, may God smile. And so on one, on one level in naming their son Isaac, may God, God has smiled upon us. May, may God smile upon his life. And I think that's what they're celebrating. But on another level, I think the name reflects the reality of their situation. Just, just think about it. This, this old couple is having a baby. <laughs> this really old couple is having a baby. One of my friends said, and you know what they did? The old couple had a baby, and they named him Giggles. <laughs> right? Come on, Giggles, we're going now. Come on, we're going to the well. I mean, the, when you think about it and, and start to kind of envision what this was like, it is, I think, it's funny. I mean, think about little Isaac, you know. He starts to grow up even as we kind of, kind of celebrated with a 10-month-old this morning. You think about little Isaac getting to that age where he starts to walk. And what, you know, when kids start to walk, what do they do? They waddle, right? You see the little baby learning to kind of balance and they're kind of waddling. So just think about Isaac. Here's this little kid. He's waddling because he's young. And right behind him comes Abraham who's waddling because he's old, Right? As one colleague said, somebody had to change Isaac's diaper, and then somebody had to change Abraham's diaper. It's funny. 
and Abraham and Sarah to see the joy in this moment. They see they're coming to experience the reality of living in God's grace. And living in God's grace brings laughter to their souls. So we're going to name him Laughter. And in doing that, I can't help but think, obviously at one level that, that name is, it's a prayer for the future. God, may you smile on our son. May you smile on his family. May you bring laughter to his heart. But I also think that name is kind of just an acknowledgement of their own past. Because see, every time you called out Isaac, at least for them, I think at some level it, it was a reminder of, hey, we laughed at God. Remember, we, you did it, I did it, we both did it. We laughed at him. We smirked at this whole idea. We kind of giggled on the inside that this could ever happen, but, but it's done. And in naming him Isaac, what we're coming to see is this couple learning to live in the freedom that comes with God's grace. Learning to live in the freedom that comes with this sense of my life is not ultimately defined by my past and the mistakes that may be in it, but my life is now defined by this new relationship. In fact, in the previous chapter, in chapter 17 rather, God has given them new names, and the purpose of the new names was to kind of root their identity in this new relationship. And so in naming him laughter, I think they've just got a a freedom to look at their past in a new way. They can look at it without being defined by it. Furthermore, I think with that grace comes a freedom in dealing with others. As it's translated here, Sarah says, and others are going to laugh with me, but but scholars have said we need need to think about how that is actually working because it may be the case that, that in essence she's saying, and others are going to laugh at me. In other words, it may be the case that part of what she's acknowledging is, look, I know this is funny. 90-year-old people don't give birth to kids. This is going to look weird. But I'm really not bothered by that because I'm now living in the reality of God's grace. And so when we get to the end of this story, I think we're confronted with a choice. We're confronted with this reality, and that is this. You can laugh at God, or you can laugh with him. You you can laugh at God and allow yourself to be simply defined by those hard experiences. You can laugh at God and just allow the kind of the everyday grind and and some of the 
unfulfilled expectations to wear you down in such a way that it just creates distance in your relationship with God. And, and with that distance comes a loss of an awareness of awe and wonder. You can laugh at him and just smirk in your own tent. Yeah, right, that God could ever be at work in my life. Or you can laugh with him. You can be attuned to the reality that his grace is pursuing you right now. His grace made possible through the gift of Jesus Christ. And as you seek to live in that grace comes a freedom that you can now live in. A freedom that you don't have to be defined by your past. A freedom that you don't have to be defined simply by your circumstances or the opinions of other people. But a freedom defined by a new identity that comes in relationship with him. And as you learn to live in that freedom, what you're learning to do is lean into his promises. And as you lean into his promises, you're recognizing that he will be faithful. I don't always understand the timing, but I know he will be with me. I know he is working in and around me. So in light of that reality, how do I lean into this situation as someone confident in the promises of God? And as you do that, you can laugh at the wonder, the miracle of God's grace. Because even in our brokenness, even in our missteps, which we see in the lives of Sarah and Abraham, he will be faithful to finish what he has started. So you can laugh at him, or you can laugh with him. And understand this, in telling you that, you don't have to stay in the tent. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we come to this story in the lives of Abraham and Sarah, I think in different ways we, we can resonate with some of the pain, the hurt that they experience, the disappointment. And some of us get, well, why they were able to smirk and laugh, it just seemed unbelievable that you could actually be at work in their lives given all that they had gone through. And yet I pray that we would hear the invitation to come out of the tent. That we don't have to laugh at you, we can laugh with you as we seek to live in the flow of your grace. As we seek to be attuned to your promises and live in light of them. And Father, in praying that, I pray specifically for some right now who are here, who are joining us online, maybe that there's a real sense in which they've gotten stuck in the tent. And I pray that they would just hear the invitation of your spirit, that there really is a different way to live. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for joining us. And I'm going to invite members of our prayer team to be available here at the front. And even as we've talked about the story of Abraham and Sarah, maybe you found yourself in this story.
And if there are ways that we can pray with you uh, concerning that, we'd love to have that opportunity. So we're going to be here available at the front, and you can just come down as you uh, leave this service. Thank you for being with us this morning. I look forward to seeing you next week at 1030 at our celebration of Celebration Sunday. Looking forward to sharing some stories with you that morning. And now as you go, though, can we go as people who aren't laughing at God, but laughing with him because of the reality of his grace. Amen.